0: Volatility has been extreme over the last uh, six weeks in the grain markets. I'm sure the U.S. Central Bank would like grain prices to lay down so that inflation would be calmer. As you think about the food pillar, the corn, soybean, and wheat markets are the bottom of that pillar. And we kind of build up from there because it flows to livestock. It flows to everything that is food in your grocery store. So whether it's corn chips or a tenderloin, it all kind of comes together. You're listening to IBKR Podcasts.
1: Find more conversations at ibkrpodcasts.com. The following podcast contains options-related material. Prior to listening to today's podcast, all listeners should read and familiarize themselves with the characteristics and risks of standardized options, or ODD, which may be accessed through the link found in the show's notes or podcast description page. Please remember any trading discussions are for information purposes only and are not intended to portray recommendations. Please listen to further disclosures At the end of today's episode, now welcome to our show.
2: Welcome to today's podcast episode. My name's Andrew Wilkinson, Director of Trading Education here at Interactive Brokers, and I'm delighted to have with me a completely new guest to cover the forthcoming June Crop Report. My guest is Dan Bossi from agresource.com over in Chicago. How are you, Dan? I'm very well, Andrew. Good to be with you. And welcome to the show. Um, we're going to talk about commodities and particularly crops and the June 30th Crop Report, which comes out imminently. It's something I followed years ago, but I lost touch with as I'd stopped... Being so involved in the futures market. So, give us a bit of background. Tell us a little bit about what the June acreage report is. This is something that comes out every year. Just remind the listeners or to those new to the futures market what the annual June acreage report covers.
0: Andrew, it's uh, one of the most important reports of the year and the most important report of summer. What USDA does are through its statistical agency called NASH, the National Agricultural Statistical Service, it outlines where U.S. farmers have planted row crops. And so, you know, it's very important. We have an attentions report in March giving us what the farmers intend to plant, And then we short up as we look in the final report as we get to the end of June. Now, this is as of June 1st. So the surveys were conducted in late May, early June by the USDA, and then we could come forward. We also have kind of another report that comes through that I don't want to, how should I say, diminish, but it is called the stocks report. So it would give us the stocks of corn, soybeans, and wheat and other grains in the United States as of June 1st. So in particular, for the June 30th report, what are you
2: watching in that release and what could surprise the market?
0: Well, as we look at the report, it's a really supercharged and important report coming up because we've been so dry across the central U.S. over the last eight weeks. And so the need for acres is bigger than it normally would be. And so as we think about this report, the United States has now reached something we call peak farmland. In other words, outside of a program called Conservation Reserve Program, which is set asides for wildlife and environmental purposes, the U.S. has about two 270 million acres of crops, excluding forages like hay, that we can plant to row crops. And so, what farmers do with that will be very important. The USDA back at the end of March indicated that US farmers would plant 92 million acres of corn, 87 million acres of soybeans, and 49.9 million acres of wheat. So, you know, if I add a few other crops on top of that, we get to the 270 million total. What we believe this report will show is that maybe farmers didn't match all of their intentions. So, we're fearful that farmers farmers will plant maybe about 800,000 acres less of corn, 91.2, 86 and a half million acres less of soybeans, and a little less because spring wheat has been so dry across the Dakotas, 49.6. The reason we say this is farmers have optionality to go into a program called Prevent Plant, where the government pays them if they can't get their crops in a time. And so for some farmers in North Dakota on corn, this was over $330 an acre, which was an incentive for them not to plant corn. So to the- 2023,
2: the volatility in corn prices has been pretty sizable. I think I just had a look at the September corn chart. I think today corn prices have already taken off, but we've pretty much covered the entire year's range in the last several weeks for corn and I think for soybean too. There's still some uncertainty in the Black Sea grain deal. And if that continues, that could also complicate the 2023-24 crop year, right? But what are some of the factors that could upset the apple cart this year?
0: Volatility has been extreme over the uh, six weeks in the grain markets. I'm sure the U.S. Central Bank would like grain prices to lay down so that inflation would be calmer. As you think about the food pillar, the corn, soybean, and wheat markets are the bottom of that pillar. And we kind of build up from there because it flows to livestock, it flows to everything that is food in your grocery store. So whether it's corn chips or a tenderloin, it all kind of comes together. So as you think about this, uh, we are now experiencing some very dry weather, unusually so, but more importantly, you know, the, our friends in the Black Sea, Uh, President Putin is no longer looking like he's willing to go along and allow the export corridor to stay open for Ukraine. Last year or for the year to date, by that I'm saying when we started this agreement back in July 15th of last year, at the end of May, we've shipped out 39 million metric tons of grain out of Ukraine. This is a sizable amount. This has helped feed sub saharan Africa and much of Southeast Asia. And so if this grain deal uh, doesn't come forward and it's not looking probable, we would imagine Ukraine will have to find other places to export. Through Europe or maybe down the Danube River. Now that is all possible, but you know, Ukraine is already looking at a smaller grain crop because farmers are in a war and losing so much money. The price of diesel today in Ukraine is $34 a gallon. It's hard to make money as a farmer planting corn, soybeans, or sunflowers. So what Ukrainian farmers have pulled back. So they have smaller crops to export this year, which places more importance back on Russian grain production because they'll keep exporting. And then, of course, the United States, Canada, and Europe, which are the principal exporters that and no
2: good podcast about crop conditions would be complete without discussing the weather, right, Dan? So conditions have been very dry across the Corn Belt. And according to NOAA, the US National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, more widespread drought development is anticipated for that central corn belt, the Great Lakes region, and into western New York. What are you seeing with corn conditions and what does that mean for crop yields?
0: So for your listeners, every week we get an estimate from enumerators, as we call them, or people that will look right around the Midwest and gauge crop conditions. It's a beauty contest. You know, what is the corn doing? Is it growing? Is it rolling in afternoon heat? Is it uh, looking uh, green? Uh, You know, if you and I were driving down a road, we could probably look at a cornfield and say it looks pretty good or not good. Well, we categorize this into excellent, good, fair, very poor, and poor ratings. And this comes out once a week, and it does model out. There's 3,400 respondents that do this across the central U.S., if you could imagine, kind of a corn beauty tour or soybean beauty tour. So as you think about this, they give those conditions and we then model it out to what it means for yields. Now, conditions have been falling sharply. In the key state of Illinois, which is the largest producer of corn and soybeans this year, soil moisture is looking at 85 percent short or very short, all the way down to the subsoil level. And so the need for rain is immediate and crops are suffering accordingly. Now, we have not been this dry for 11 years. The last 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 time I can find we were this dry was back in 2012. Back then, of course, yields fell about 23% for the July WASD report. So we'll see how this all kind of plays out today. But an expanding drought, Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, the key I states across the Midwest, if it goes north or south or we get any heat in here, it's going to be very adverse to yield. And then the market has to rally to, of course, accommodate a smaller crop and somehow less demand here in the United States. This June 30th annual
2: report from the U.S. USDA has the potential, should we put it that way, to be a huge driver of prices, right now.
0: Oh, it does. Normally, we can look backwards in history, and we can find out that we have price moves of 5% up or down, depending upon what USDA says. Many times, we can have limit moves, which would put us closer to 10%. So this is a market that's going to have a lot of volatility. And I would tell you, Andrew, I think this year's report is going to have all of that relative to the weather conditions we just talked about. What
2: tools do farmers or speculators, hedgers, producers, what do they have
0: to manage the risk? We, of course, have spreads, which you can always put on a spread position. Maybe you're bullish of corn and want to be bearish of wheat or something like that. So there's always these inter-crop spreads. Then we have short-dated options, new crop options, or even the existing old crop options, which will expire within a week or 10 days time frame. And these provide an ability for one to at least get some protection and manage risk around these almost impossible reports to forecast. So we tell people and farmers and such that this is the best way to manage your risk. Options, uh, to me, are looking favorable. So again, because of the weather problems that we've had, the volatility or the cost of these options are extremely high as we look at them today. And finally,
2: we've spoken about the U.S. crop. But there's a whole world of producers out there, particularly South America, where crops are huge. But you've also got the Chinese side of the equation where there's strong demand. What do you watch from both the South American crop perspective and the ability of China to import? lots of tonnage.
0: Yes, so the Chinese have been very active in buying the record large Brazilian soybean crop that is 156 million metric tons. Strangely enough, in the last nine months, Brazil has captured not only the world's largest soybean exporter crown, but also the world's largest corn exporter crown. So they had very good weather and were blessed with a very big crop. To the south of them, Argentina fared very poorly. Their crops were cut in half by a very dire drought. As we look at China, China's taking advantages of some of these cheap prices offered by Brazil. And they have been importing record tonnages of soybeans from Brazil going all the way back to March. So we would expect that China will take anywhere from 101 to 102 million metric tons of soybeans in the 22 23 crop year. So very strong active demand by China. Uh, The Chinese, of course, will always use wheat prices to fill their government coffers. By that, I'm saying reserve rebuilding. But even the Chinese this year are having their own weather problems with too much rain across their wheat areas and too Dry across their corn and soy areas. So, globally speaking, we've got a lot of hot spots for world weather this year, including China, Russia, the spring wheat areas, Europe, the United States. And so, there's a lot to watch. Mother Nature has not been kind to global grain production, at least as we look forward to the end of June. Dan Bossy president of agrisource.com
2: over in Chicago, thank you very much for joining us today. We hope to speak to you soon. Thank you, Andrew. It's been a pleasure. I hope everybody has good luck with the report in the markets. And thanks to all our listeners for. Tuning in and don't forget to look out for more IBKRPodcast.com. And wherever you download your podcast, don't forget please leave us a review. Thanks everyone. Bye for now.
1: Thanks for listening to IBKR Podcasts. As always, we have more episodes at IBKR And if you're interested in learning more about interactive brokers, visit IBKR.com. We offer more trading education materials such as webinars at IBKRWebinars.com. Financial and economic commentary at TradersInsight.news. Market-related courses at TradersAcademy.online the particular financial conditions, investment objectives, or requirements of individual customers. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and is necessary seek professional advice. Futures are not suitable for all investors. The amount you may lose may be greater than your initial investment. Before trading futures, please read the CFTC Risk Disclosure. A copy and additional information are available at IBKR.com. Options involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. For more information, read the Characteristics and Risks of Standardized Options, or ODD, which may be accessed through the link found in the show's notes or podcast description page.